Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Voice podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm, I'm doing well. I, I would just like to point out that uh, the roar of celebration and uh, happiness at a Cowboys win is always about half as the roar of the anger and vitriol of when the Cowboys lose. Isn't that I, I the wish... way it's supposed to be, though? No, right. it's not. I, not. I wish we would celebrate more wins more. I just wish we would generally be more happy about uh, about wins because they're very difficult to get. The, this level of expectation for wins in, in one of the most difficult leagues, maybe the most difficult league in, in professional sports uh, to get a win uh, and, and and I just don't think that there's enough uh, 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 celebration of it. That that's that's all I got. Yeah, but okay, let's talk about this really quickly because I think this is a good point. Um, when you're a franchise like the Cowboys, you're expected to win, right? I know that that's that's what the expectation is around the Cowboys. If you're another team, let's let's pick on the Browns for a second. I think you can celebrate wins a little bit more because it's been so long since you've been successful. Uh, I remember Tom Brady. This was a couple years ago talking about how the wins don't really give him that much joy anymore. It's the fear of losing. Isn't that kind of the same thing that we do as fans? You know, we, we, as much as the wins are awesome, it's the losses that hurt more. I, I, the cognitive dissonance that's required for you to simultaneously trash the Cowboys as being mediocre all day, every day, throughout <laughs> whoa, the week, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wh- while still being able to say, oh, that they are this team that is uh, that should be held to a higher standard. They're, you know, look, <laughs> that is – you're comparing them to a, a the anomaly. You, you are com- no, no, I'm they not are- even comparing them to New England, but I'm saying it's that mindset, right? I, I, I don't know that that mindset exists unless you are that team that was winning championship over and over again. Until then, you're scrapping out every single win you can to get that first championship, and then you see how you are once you've become the hunted. Okay, that's fair, I guess. I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we might even differ on this a little bit. All right, so coming up <laughs> in today's show, uh, we're going to answer some of your Twitter questions. Uh, and let's go ahead and start from this question from John. Uh, can the Cowboys finally finally realize that Blake Jarwin and Tony Pollard, to a degree, uh, needs need to be on the field more? We are steadily evolving into a pass first offense, and the offense grows through Dak and not Zeke. Uh, do you agree with the assessment that the Cowboys need to use more of Blake Jarwin and Tony Pollard? I, I yeah, I mean, I think I do in the sense that I feel like they need to continue to try to mix in their role players as they can. I, I think it's. Uh, again, it's it's a lot of it is based on opportunity and, and the number of snaps that they're getting and, and how well they're able to convert, uh, which I think all of just kind of goes back to hey, throw the ball or better more on early downs, like you know what I'm saying. Get into favorable situations where if even if the play doesn't work, you can still con- con- uh, The problem is is that they try this stuff on first down. They tr- or, or they'll you know they need to get like go out there. Throw the ball on first down, or or at least know that they're going to throw the ball on second down, 
and and get into favor favorable position so you don't have to be in third down and then i think you can it's easier like when you're looking at a second and four or a second and two to throw out uh, more of the role to get these role players more snaps to, to, for opportunities to create big plays Right. right. I, I, I think what you're going to see is you'll definitely see an uptick this week. I could be wrong, but I think you'll see at least the same amount, maybe an uptick this week of Tony Pollard, because I do think that I, I think that it's going to be very favorable again against a Bill Belichick defense. I, I think because he likes to use linebackers and coverage a lot. And if you get two two running backs on the field, uh, at the same time, uh, I think that is something that is a way to possibly exploit a very, very difficult defense to exploit. Yeah, it does mess up some coverage rules. Um, I'm going to ask you this, Landon. If I could give you 10 snaps to give to one of these two players on a weekly basis, 10 more snaps, would it rather be Blake Jarwin or Tony Pollard? Which one do to- you think? Tony Pollard, without a doubt. See, without I disagree doubt. with you here. Jarwin actually. is – look, Jarwin – look – the problem is, is that Jarwin, the floor is way is lower with Jarwin. I I trust Tony Pollard to do the right thing in the play most of the time, more than I do Blake Jarwin. I, I just like well, I okay, think he can. Let's execute. dive into this in a little bit. Like, are you saying in the run game specifically, or are you saying in like both the pass and running game? Both. Yeah, I think that Tony Pollard is a more reliable football player than I think Blake Jarwin is. I think that has been Blake Jarwin's problem. I think that is. Can he block? Does he physically have the ability to block? Yes. D- do I think that he is has a lot of attention to detail when it comes to blocking? I don't think so. Uh, do, I, do I think that that, that he has? I, there's been multiple occasions where he it feels like he's blown an assignment, or, or he's doing something different than the rest of the guys. And so I just trust Tony Pollard just because uh, you know, despite him being a rookie. And we talked about this during the training during training camp too. I, I he's very reliable in his assignment. He knows what he's doing most of the time, and and I and I there's a level of a comfort there that I and I and I also think that his utility as a football player because he's a running back, you can put him as kind of a wide receiver player. Like I, I think there's just better opportunity for him to get more snaps. Yeah, see, I I disagree with you there because you know as much as I. I don't want to say the word trash, but I'm, I'm harsh on Zeke maybe on Twitter and on this podcast. Uh, I think I still think he's a good player. Uh, I think Pollard deserves snaps. I'm not sure 10 is the right amount. I think Blake Jarwin is a guy that in the passing game, yes, I know that he struggles as a blocker. His ability to make plays down the field and specifically after the catch is what Dallas needs in the middle of this offense. Uh, we saw last week there was a play, uh, I think it was in the second quarter, Jarwin catches just a little, like a flat route, takes it up the field for 23 yards. It's those type of chunk plays that he can provide that the rest of the tight ends on the roster can't do. I guess that's why I want to see him more on the field. I just think he is a he has the potential to be a special receiver despite all of his flaws in the run game and maybe some with the reliability. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see if the Cowboys use Blake Jarwin more over the next couple of weeks because it's pretty clear that he has a rapport with Dak, right? It, Dak yeah, likes I, throwing him the ball. The, the the one thing I'll say, too, is that I do think that this year is different than last year where I feel like you have more players who can function in that capacity than you did last year. I think last year when Jarwin showed you that kind of middle of the field, down the middle of the field uh, uh, threat, 
um, that was something that we really just didn't have on this team. Now I think you have a couple different players who can operate in there, and that's why I think to me, you know, it's it becomes well. Do you want to put Jarwin in there to run this that route down the field, or do you want Cooper doing it from the slot, sure. or do you you know? So I think it's changed the math a little bit with 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 how they're deploying him. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk, answer some more of your Twitter questions. All right, Landon, this next one comes from Mike. Uh, he says, how are the boys preparing for Foxborough in the weather? Uh, it's reading right now. It's 43 degrees with some rain and snow. Uh, he says, nasty afternoon. I say that's just a regular Sunday up here in the Northeast. Um, how do the Cowboys prepare for this, you know, the, the element of the weather here? You know, I mean, that it, it's one of the things about uh, playing in the South that is it's difficult when you go back. There's not really a way to properly simulate sleet and snow and, you know, cold weather. I, I mean, a lot of these guys are, you know, have played in that weather before. They've all played college football. You know, they've all traveled and, and, and this they played football in this time of year. So it's it's not like completely foreign to these guys to play outside in cold weather. Um, but I do think it's a thing. And I, I think it's. You know, I think it's part of you see these teams that have these long streaks of wins at home. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not always about just how good the team is. It's it's usually I mean, that is obviously a huge part of it. But like you look at like Denver, you look at, uh, you know, they've Pittsburgh, had Pittsburgh streaks. It. Yep. it's it, these places have unique traits to them. Like Denver's at high altitude. Pittsburgh and New England, both outdoor stadiums in the Northeast when it's incredibly cold. And you see games where, you know, whiteout games, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they happen there. So I, I just think that it's part of the unique trait of that stadium, of that place. There's not really a way to properly prepare. Uh, I think you hope that your run game uh, will travel well uh, in a way that may, hopefully it didn't in Detroit. Um, and that that's that's going to be something that you can rely on t- while Dak is properly calibrating throwing in the cold. I mean, knowing Dak, I, I, I would not be surprised if somehow throwing in the cold makes him concentrate more earlier and he and he plays better earlier. He's Dak's like a weird it's weird, like like the things that like oddly motivate him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, he actually came out throwing the ball just fine and had no problems. Um, a couple things here really quickly. Uh, obviously, anybody who has followed me on Twitter or listened to this podcast knows I'm a huge Tony Romo fan. I've been that way my entire life. But if there's one big weakness that Romo had is he really struggled in bad weather games for a couple of different reasons. He wasn't a very big quarterback, and he didn't have big hands. Uh, so anytime you got some rain or snow yeah. – it seemed like it really affected him. Uh, that's not an issue for Dak. Dak has nope. some of the biggest hands in the league. He's really strong. Uh, I I don't think the weather's going to bother him all that much. I remember as a rookie, he played in Pittsburgh in a late November game. Uh, actually, it was early December. An early December game, it was really cold. It was raining. Uh, and he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I, I don't worry about Prescott in bad conditions as I did as much with Tony Romo. I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, they've got some receivers who know how to play in the cold. Randall Cobb is one of them. Michael Gallup played at Colorado uh, Colorado State. He's going to be fine. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys are going to be okay here. 
Um, let's go ahead and move on to a different question, Landon. Uh, this one's from Andrew. Uh, why isn't the cornerback position being talked about as a bigger need this offseason? If Byron Jones walks, that position is a wasteland. Uh, we should also add that Anthony Brown, the Cowboys slot corner, uh, tore his tricep uh, on Sunday. He's out for the season. He's also a free agent after the year, so it's very possible the Cowboys could be without Byron or Anthony Brown next year. Would you, you know, can you make the case that this is maybe the biggest need on this team going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that anyone is downplaying the need for cornerback next year. I mean, I, I, I am not. Like, I think, I think everyone has looked at what is, uh, you know what? What at the contracts and, and, and the situation in the offseason, and for, frankly, you know they, they talked about it all the, during the offseason. Uh, you know because in, in in context of all these guys that they kind of still have on their roster that they're hoping to develop to, to kind of take a next step. You know the uh, the Chris, Chris Westries, the Donovan Alumbas of the world. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think they have a a couple of different guys who. Um, they're hoping can, you know, potentially kind of take a next step next year. That could give you some, you know, at least some depth uh, there, you know. But, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, you're going to be looking at corners and either in free agency or, or in, in, in the draft because you're going to lose at least one uh, with, with uh, I mean, be, between either Byron Jones or Anthony Brown, I would assume. I would assume it would be Anthony Brown that is going to walk. And Byron Jones, it, you know, it, it's it kind of remained to be seen what what it's going to cost and 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 whether the Cowboys are willing to pay that. And if they are, uh, then yeah, I mean, I, if 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 they lose both of these guys, definitely like mm-hmm. a draft pick and a vet, maybe you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, what's going to make it even more difficult is Owusu and Jordan Lewis, both guys are entering their contract year uh, in twenty twenty, which. Man, it seems incredible that those guys have, you know, already, you know, they're going on to year four next year, and uh, they're about to become free agents. It just shows you how fast uh, stuff moves in the NFL. Um, Landon, this next question comes uh, from Tim, and I'm just going to shorten it a little bit. Uh, he's asked, how is Keith O'Quinn still employed on the Cowboys team? He's their special team coach. <sighs> yeah, yeah, who aren't, who yeah. Aren't uh, sort of. Uh, real special. Uh, you know, can I get I, some background on this? Yeah, sure, please. All right. I, and yeah, because I think that the context of, of what we've, yeah, go, <laughs> All go right. ahead. So part of this is probably some of my own doing. But um, I, yesterday I tweeted out all of the Cowboys special team stats from this season. Uh, and they're not good. They're bottom of, you know, of the league in about every single rank. Keith O'Quinn, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is somebody who the Cowboys organization really likes. He, they've moved him around to a lot of different things. He's been, I, but I think he worked on the offensive side of the ball for a little bit. He uh, was, he was, yeah, he was a special assistant and uh, yeah. I think offensive quality control coach at one point. If I'm not there, mistaken. you go. Right. So yeah. they, they've moved him around because they really like him and they like his work ethic. And then when Rich Basaccia left. Uh, they needed somebody to fill that role, and they gave the you know Keith O'Quinn, who at the time I think it was in 2017 was the special teams assistant. They decided to kind of groom him for that role, and this is where we are. I, he, I, I wouldn't say he was qualified for that, but it was one of these things where they liked the person and they thought he could grow into that. 
But I think you're starting to see now that he may be a little overmatched for that role right now. Uh, if these special teams problems continue, Landon, do you think they're going to hold on to, on to him throughout the season or you know into next season? I just think that they need a special teams coach. Like they need him, he needed more time as an assistant special teams coach. You can't just do it for two years and then be yeah. Right I, I mean, he's you know, look. I mean, I, I'm sure he's still hitting Rich Passaccia up for tip, to techniques all the time because I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he knows what he's doing. You know, and I mean, I think that they they don't. There's been miscommunications. I think I think you know they they've taken weird risk at, at, at different points, even though they've had no success at different points. Uh, I just feel like I, it's it's not that I don't think he's a good coach. I just think that you know it's a it's a it's a it's a coaching position that is re- that really values experience. Because Absolutely. there's so, because yes. it's so it's such a yeah. difficult job to get all the leftovers from the offense and the defense and uh, to get them to focus on special teams to get them motivated on that and get them hyped up for just that. Um, and, and not and only that, design- you're also dealing with so much change throughout the season, right? You yeah. could have well, the rule changes the, and you know just right. everything that happens. I'm saying over the course of a month, you could lose. Oh yeah, totally. Seven, eight of your you know special teams guys because of injuries, because of you know the churning the bottom of the roster or the churning so you, at the top. Because if, if, yeah. if one of these guys gets hurt and then suddenly your special teams ace is becoming a starter, he can't be on special teams anymore. So you get poached on both sides. It's a very difficult job. I just think that at this point, it's a job that places a premium on experience, and he doesn't have any. And he's and getting it is great, but right now, like, he's a learning special team coach that's in a team that's trying to compete, and uh, and I just don't think it's it's not a good match. Like, uh, this team is further along in its career. Than, yeah. than having yeah. a young special teams coach, I guess. Is right. They need a veteran there. You they know, need they a guy now, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny, though, is the Cowboys have experimented with this at other positions. I think you can look at Kellen Moore and say that's an example of, you know, hey, this isn't somebody who is, is experienced, but, but it's, it's working but, out. But it's so different because the thing it is, is, is that you've got five, four other different guys on there that have all called plays Correct. At, at different Correct. spots, at different whether it's NFL or college football. You've got three other different quarterbacks. You've in offense it's, assistance. It's you've got point, offense yeah. assistance out the wazoo. You only have one special teams coach and then maybe an assistant, and, and, and it, there's not really anywhere for you to turn. You don't have the resources, so you got to be the man. That's why a lot of times these these special team coaches are really good head coaches because yeah. it's a completely different kind of job. You have to be able to communicate across the entire uh, team. You have to be able to be extremely organized. You have to be uh, uh, ahead of the game and that uh, the qualifications for a head coach are a lot similar more similar to special teams coach than they are either offensive or defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think that's why John Harbaugh is such a exactly. good head coach in in Baltimore. And I've always said, if I were Rich Masaccia, Rich- man, I, yeah, yeah. I would, I would oh. hire Rich Masaccia as a head coach. At some Absolutely. Point. Well, I was going to say the other guy that I would interview if I was a team looking for a head coach is Dave Taub in Kansas mm-hmm. City. He, one of the best. I, was, special I mean, for years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it's a really tough job, and I, I don't think people understand how hard it is. But the Cowboys have to get better at that spot this season. And going into next year, whether that means making a move to try to get a veteran coach there. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Um, all right, Landon, this next question comes from at the boys 214 If the Cowboys are going to win on Sunday, 
Who is the one player that has to ball out besides Dak? Obviously, Prescott's going to have to have a good game to win. Who is the one guy that has to have a monster performance in Foxborough if the Cowboys are going to win? Uh, I mean, it, it's going to have to be like – because here's the thing. What what New England's going to do is completely take away your best your best player. So it, it, it's, it remains to be seen what that means, how New England interprets that. For years and years and years, every single time that uh, New England played us, it was always Jason Witten. And we always kind mm-hmm. of were like, well, Jason Witten, what, what is that? that's fine. We'll throw it to T.O. or, you know, Dez or whatever. But the problem was is that if you took Jason Witten away, you couldn't do those things because J- T.O. or, or, or uh, uh, Dez couldn't win consistently enough to carry the, the 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 team up and down the field, scoring touchdowns. You could throw the ball a hundred different times in a row to Jason Witten up and down the field, and 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 you know you know what I'm saying like at least back yeah, yeah. then. I don't right. obviously that's not the case anymore. So I, I think it's the likely the guy is if 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 Cooper's healthy out there, it's probably going to be Cooper, uh, and I don't know how healthy he'll be, but I would say so. It's going to be need to be someone like Cobb or. Uh, uh, you know, maybe it's Jarwin. Maybe maybe Jarwin yeah. has comes out and has a big day. I, I still think that Pollock, again, I think having two running backs really kind of screws with their defense. Uh, maybe so. I, I, I it's gonna have to be one of these guys, like you know, a role player, uh, a secondary receiver. Uh, maybe it's Gallup. Maybe you know, maybe it's Gallup has a, another huge game, and 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 that's what the difference is. But I, I think it's gonna have to be someone not one of your top line players because that's they're going to try to take away your first your 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 top line players you got to beat them with your second line my guess from just watching a lot of new england this year is that they're going to put stefan gilmore on michael gallup and then double amari cooper they do that they've been doing that for years right so basically are you going to throw at amari who has two guys on him or against the best cornerback in the league Uh, if that is the case Cowboys are going to have to find somebody else, and maybe it is Randall Cobb. Maybe maybe it's the Randall Cobb game. Uh, I just wanted to point out on defense. I, I think I'm going to cheat and pick two, but I think Leighton Van Esch and Jalen are going to have to have monster games because uh, New England is not a team that's going to throw the ball vertically, uh, especially now that Josh Gordon is gone. Philip Dorsett got a concussion in last week's game. I'm not sure he's going to play. If he doesn't, I mean, there's just no speed on this offense every anywhere. So what they're going to do is they're going to screen you to death. They're going to throw it to Edelman five, six times a game on the outside. They're going to run uh, a ton of inside tunnel screens with James White. You're going to need those linebackers to not only get there, but to make the tackles. And that's been kind of a problem for the Cowboys this year. They're going to need their linebackers to have massive, you know, Pro Bowl level games. Sean in Lee. Order to, yeah, and maybe some Sean Lee as well. Yeah, because they'll play three linebacker sets, I bet. If they're not throwing the ball down the field, they'll play shell coverage. They'll keep their safeties, you know, at a reasonable depth. And then they'll put they'll keep three linebackers in the field just so that they can play sideline to sideline with people that can tackle. All right, last question, Landon. Uh, comes from Mike. What's the best and worst matchup for the Cowboys against the Patriots this week? Obviously, we're going to preview this game, you know, further on with a crossover coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll do our game preview later in the week. But just looking at this now, is there one position you think the Cowboys have an advantage, and then is there another that you think they have a massive disadvantage? Well, I think that the the advantage is clearly their wide receiver core versus our defensive backs. I I, I would think, right? Like, I mean, they just don't really have anything at, at wide receiver outside of Edelman. Uh, so I think if you can figure out a way to you know 
they like to scheme Edelman the ball, so that's that makes him dangerous, and that is in itself very dangerous. I'm not going to say that that won't cause problems, but mm-hmm. I think as far as talent disparity, you know, that's likely the, the spot. I mean, I think you could say our defensive line versus their offensive line, but I mean, I I trust I trust that Scarmucci to f- figure out a way to. Uh, Scarnetti, right? What, what, yeah, how do you say Dante Scarnetti. Yeah. Scarnetti, yeah. I, I trust him to scheme it up and, and figure out a good way to block him up. So, uh, and I don't, I don't really know the worst matchup. Probably, I mean, Tom Brady versus anybody really is. Yeah, just, yeah that's I mean, that's a bad one. Uh, seems like New England special teams. I'm, I hate to always bring up special teams, but they're one of the best in the league at Shocker. creating chunk plays. Uh, they're going to put you in some bad positions, like. Won't be surprising if they they make Tony Pollard try to return every single kick this week, just to, to test how the Cowboys are going to block. Uh, I, I think that could be a problem. Really quickly, back to the offensive line. Uh, there is going to be a big mismatch at left tackle, assuming Isaiah Wynn is not activated. He's actually able to come back this week. Uh, he hasn't practiced a ton over the last couple of weeks, so his status is a little iffy. Uh, Robert Quinn against Marshall Newhouse. Yeah, should be that should be a disaster for New England. If you watch that game against Philadelphia, uh, he could not block Brandon Graham. He just doesn't have the athleticism to get around the corner. If Robert Quinn can make some plays, if Michael Bennett can beat Shaq Mason uh, in their backup center, I can't remember the name with Dave Andrews out. Uh, you know that's how you beat Brady. You beat him with some inside pressure. Maybe you see some more stunts with Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, I won't be surprised if the Cowboys' defensive line has a decent day against this uh, kind of makeshift Patriots offensive line. Even even as good as Dante Skarniecki is, it, it doesn't have a ton of talent this year. Last thing, this is exactly the kind of game that the Cowboys win. I, I'm just going to say that. I'm not saying that we will win, but the, the kind of, oh, no one is expecting you to win. There's no pressure to win. There's no possible way you could win. Like the Saints, the Seattles. like this And then, is, you'll, this, and then they'll lose a Josh Allen to follow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, I mean, look, you want to talk about the roller coaster? They lose the games they should win. They win the games they should lose. Uh, I mean, I, I, I honestly look at this game over and over again, and, and I'm like, why can't we win this game? So we'll see. I believe this is the first time the Cowboys have been underdogs since week 10 of last season. Uh, if you don't count the playoffs, they were underdogs in the Rams game. But uh, since week 10 of last season, the Cowboys have been favored in, in every game. But playing the Patriots is a different animal. I mean, it should 20, be a lot of fun. 20 straight wins at home. That seems like a very round number to end a streak at. I like it. I like it. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.